From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. This broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. This week, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, a subject of vital importance for the Church of Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in Psalm 51 and verse 10. Renew a right spirit within me. A backslider, if there be a spark of life left in him, will groan after restoration. In this renewal, the same exercise of grace is required as at our conversion. We needed repentance then. We certainly need it now. We wanted faith that we might come to Christ at first. Only the like grace can bring us to Jesus now. We wanted a word from the Most High, a word from the lip of the living one to end our fears then. We shall soon discover, when under a sense of present sin, that we need it now. No man can be renewed without as real and true a manifestation of the Holy Spirit's energy as he felt at first, because the work is as great and flesh and blood are as much in the way now as ever they were. Let thy personal weakness, O Christian, be an argument to make thee pray earnestly to thy God for help. Remember David, when he felt himself to be powerless, did not fold his arms or close his lips, but he hastened to the mercy seat with, Renew a right spirit within me. Let not the doctrine that you unaided can do nothing make you sleep but let it be a goad in your side to drive you with an awful earnestness to Israel's strong helper. Oh, that you may have grace to plead with God as though you pleaded for your very life. Lord, renew a right spirit within me. He who sincerely prays to God to do this will prove his honesty by using the means through which God works. Be much in prayer. Live much upon the word of God. Kill the lusts which have driven your Lord from you. Be careful to watch over the future uprisings of sin. The Lord has his own appointed ways. Sit by the wayside, and you will be ready when he passes by. Continue in all those blessed ordinances which will foster and nourish your dying graces. And knowing that all power must proceed from him, cease not to cry, Renew a right spirit within me.
Among the great classics of Christian literature, A.W. Tozer's The Pursuit of God is remarkable for its impact on the lives of countless believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, the product of a lifelong passion for knowing God in an intimate, soul-refreshing relationship, this small volume exposes the roadblocks that keep us from fully knowing God, reveals our responsibility of the pursuit, and ultimately leads us into the very presence of God Himself. Some of the chapter titles include Following Hard After God, Restoring the Creator-Creature Relation, and The Sacrament of Living. As you read and study Tozer's penetrating insights, you will learn the meaning of Paul's words in Philippians 3, verse 10, that I may know him. Let the Bible Speak is pleased to offer complete reprints of this timeless devotional help, free of charge. For your copy of The Pursuit of God, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you wish, you may simply write, Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your free copy of The Pursuit of God, and we'll be glad to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues his series of studies in the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. In the current message, he's dealing with the inspiration of the Bible. The text is found in Ephesians chapter 6, the latter part of verse 17, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. According to both the Old and the New Testaments, the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. Dr. Cairns has been showing that the existence of the sword of the Spirit is divine. Because of that, the excellencies of the Bible surpass those of any literature created by human hands. No other book can claim the unity found among the Bible's 66 books. It is entirely without error, and none can match the majesty of its message nor the infallibility of its prophecies. Now, Dr. Cairns continues this message on the inspiration of the Holy Scriptures. If you try to deny that the Bible is what it claims to be, you cannot be honest with that book. Let me go down a list of things that would take 
a series of messages in themselves if we were to preach on them. But here are the excellencies of the book of God. You take the unity of this book. I've said that it was written over a period of one and a half millennia. You think of that. Just imagine that we had a book just coming to completion today that started to be written in the days of Augustine around the 4th and 5th century. Now you just think that we had a book coming to completion and it was written by 40 different human authors. Tell me, what kind of a book do you think you would have? I challenge you to get any book on even one subject. Uh, take uh, physics. I challenge you to get a book compiled of the writings of 40 different physicists over the last 100 years. And I guarantee that at the end of it, you'll end up with a book that is tearing itself asunder, where one part is mocking the other and contradicting the other. There will be no unity in that book. Now let's select something more difficult. I challenge you to get a book and compile it on the subject of religion from 40 different human authors. And I ask you to select them as carefully as you will, even out of the most narrow theological confines. And I guarantee at the end of it, they'll be contradicting each other, and the book will be marked by utter divisiveness. Whereas here is the book of God, as I say, its pen and spans 1,500 years with writers as diverse as the mind of man can conceive. And yet it's not 66 different books. It's one book. One book of God. What a unity there is. Without error. Yes, I believe that. Without error. I don't have all the answers to all the difficulties. I'll have a go at answering them, but I, no man has all the answers. There are perplexities in the Bible, but there are no errors. I get sick, sore, and tired listening and reading to all the same old tripe that so-called intellectual people turn out attacking the Bible. And they just put it out as, as if it's proved. For instance, we're told that David paid Orana or Ornan, according to which version of his name you want to take. He paid him one sum of money, and then the parallel passage says he paid him another sum of money. So the Bible contradicts itself. Rubbish. In the one part we're told that he paid him a certain sum of money for a very restricted, specific location where the angel came down and where he wanted to build the altar. But there was a greater transaction where to get that he decided to buy the whole place. It would be like me saying, I paid a thousand dollars for that barn, but I paid fifty thousand dollars for the farm. Tell me that's a contradiction? No, sir. 
I'm told that Stephen contradicted the Old Testament when it came to the, the burying places of the patriarchs. I'm not going to take time to go into all those answers. But I simply say this, if people would read the Bible, they would find out that the Bible does not make errors. No contradictions, no errors. One book, and that's a miracle. And there's no way you can explain that on the basis that this is anything other than the Word of God, what it claims to be. You take the majesty of its message. The Bible is absolutely unique in its doctrine. The mind of man has never anywhere else conceived the doctrine of the Trinity. Do you know what the early Christians were called in ancient Rome? What the Romans and the Greeks called them? Do you know why they were put to death? Because they were called atheists. That's what the early Christians were called. Atheists. Why? Because they believed in a God who couldn't be seen. He couldn't be fashioned. He couldn't take his place in the pantheon. Oh, the Romans wouldn't have been one bit averse to having one more God. They'd have been very happy to have another God to add to the list. But you see, these Christians, they were atheists. They refused all these other gods. They worshipped the God who couldn't be seen. Now, that was against the entire consensus of human philosophy and learning. It certainly didn't come from man. It came from God. And then you take the revelation of Christ. Let me give you what the experts say. I'm not an expert in this. If Dr. Barrett were here, he could give you all the uh, ins and outs of the, the verbal proof of this. If he wants to come, I'd be happy to let him do that. Greek scholars tell us that John didn't write very good Greek. In fact, they tell us the book of the Revelation just about, well, I don't know what grade you would say over here. Over in Britain, they said it was like fifth form Greek. Well, I want to tell you, fifth form Greek was uh, double Dutch. Because when you were in fifth form in grammar school over there, sometimes you were right, 90% of the times you were right to be wrong. But anyway, it's very poor Greek. So they say. Of course, there's a lot of pride in that. It's the Greek the Holy Ghost used, and therefore for me it's perfect. Not only that, this man who couldn't write Greek, so they say. They say he actually, after a period of 60 or 70 years, sat down and he began to put together the sayings of Jesus. And rather than writing down what Jesus said, he actually made up a picture of a Jesus who had never existed. And conversations that had never taken place. And having done all this, he put it all down there. Now let me get this to you. The greatest literary geniuses the world has ever seen have tried to depict the perfect man. And they have always depicted a monster. They've never been able to do it. And yet we are asked to believe 
Here is a Galilean fisherman who can't even write Greek. Here's a Galilean fisherman. And he's making up the whole thing. And yet in the Gospel of John, as well as in the book of the Revelation, you have a, a revelation of Jesus Christ as the perfect God and the perfect man without spot, without failure. Something that has defied the greatest brains in the world. And we're asked to believe this is the product of an ignorant man. I want to tell you, you can't do justice to the Bible without accepting that it is the inspired Word of God. Now, John was no genius. I don't believe John was a genius. I believe that what he wrote was inspired of God and went far greater than Jesus. You know, the whole Bible centers in Jesus Christ. Revelation 19 and 10 says that uh, the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. You could actually turn that around and say the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. The spirit of prophecy, the spirit that's in the prophets, testifies of Jesus. This is the majesty of the message. Christ in all his perfection. And I want to tell you, when you come to the Bible, you come to that message. There's only one way that you can explain it, that is that it's the very message of God. You take the accuracy of the statements of the Bible. The Bible has been held up to ridicule on history. The Bible is never wrong. Never wrong. I read an interesting thing recently. I had to laugh at it, mind you, the condescension that was dripping like syrup from the mouths of these people as they were saying. It was actually in the Greenville Piedmont, or the Greenville News, they, they carried this. Scholars are now learning to pay a lot more attention, would you believe, to the historical statements of the Bible. Because they had dug up some things out in Israel. And lo and behold, the Bible had been right all along. Big deal. I want to tell you, archaeology is a wonderful science. And every time the spade has dug into Middle Eastern soil, where it touches the Bible, it has always shown the Bible to be right. Archaeology can't prove the Bible. The Bible proves itself. I don't believe the Bible because of what the archaeologist says. I believe what the archaeologist says if it agrees with the Bible. It's as simple as that. The Bible's always right. You know, there was a time when the Bible spoke of Sargon. All the historical scholars said, this is a myth. There never was such a person as Sargon. Now they found out there was. Uh, we were told that there never was such a person as Belshazzar. That was another biblical invention. I have found out that the Bible was right all along. In fact, there's some of the ancient peoples that the Bible mentions, like the Hittites. And for quite a long time we were told those people never even existed. Now they find out that they did exist. And they have dug up from Mother Earth all the evidence that any man could need as to how they lived and what they did. The Bible's right all along. The Bible's right in history, it's right in chronology. Yes, it's right in science. That's not a teacher of science. But I want to tell you, the physics of Genesis chapter 1 
and Genesis chapter 2, and Genesis chapter 3, and then Genesis chapter 6, 7, and 8. Those physics are the basis of all proper study into the physical sciences, and anybody who disagrees will never come to the knowledge of the truth. The Bible writes when it speaks of science. The accuracy of its statements, the infallibility of its prophecies regarding Israel, regarding Christ, regarding the nations, regarding the end time. You know, in the last century, there was a saying that the Jews were God's clock. And when preachers preached about the Jews regaining their own land and doing so in unbelief, only a mad preacher would say that. They were mocked. They were laughed at. I want to tell you, in 1948, the Jews became the possessors of their own land. And they did so in unbelief. There's no more atheistic nation under the sun than the Jewish people today. They are there. Well, the army is gathering together, as Ezekiel 37 so graphically puts it, bone is being joined to bone. There is the formation, as it were, of a great army of men, but the breath of God is not in them yet. Oh yes, the prophecies are invaluable. And the credibility of the witnesses. You know, here's the greatest excellence of the Bible. And I'm going to leave out all the witnesses bar one. That is Jesus Christ. If this is not the word of God, Jesus Christ is the greatest imposter and the greatest liar and the greatest deceiver that the world has ever seen. And yet the very people who deny the Bible want to hold up Jesus as the greatest example that humanity could ever have. The two things don't fit. See what I mean? If your presupposition is right, your evidence will fit. The credibility of the witnesses. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at one 864 Two four four two four zero eight. That's one eight six four two four four two four zero eight. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelsch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we let the Bible speak. (music) 